Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. Steady lads, we never practice or rehearse. Yo, the market is a sentence and we're destined. We serve. Yo, we'll spark it. And our guest is my friend Steve Kerr's open season blurs battling for first. Ordinals absurd. Transaction fees observed. Miners making bank and stable coins on curve. U.S. policy demurred. Yo, when will we learn that the future isn't obvious? It has to be seized. Telling all my audience we have to be free. It's getting kind of scary. The count of intermediaries. Is it fair to we find ourselves in something hairy Truth or dare we always paying our dues See me bending some spoons while I'm playing our tunes Walk a day in our shoes and flip a coin on its head You'll see there's never been a day when Bitcoiners are dead As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne Head of Firmwide Research at Galaxy Digital Thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains We have a great show for you today Steve Kerr's head of Galaxy Asset Management He's our guest We're going to get into a whole bunch of interesting stuff Including new partnerships that Galaxy Asset Management has what they think in the bear market big opportunities are. Also, talk to Steve about the early days at Galaxy. He's an OG, been at Galaxy for six years at this point. It's a great interview you won't want to miss. We'll also check in with our friend Ben Metabibi from Galaxy Trading, as always, on markets and macro. But before we get into all of that, I need to remind you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer on the podcast notes and note that none of the information contained in this podcast represents investment advice or an offer recommendation or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Hey, also, we have a great new report from Galaxy Research called Watch This Space. Check that out on galaxy.com or galaxy.com slash research or see it on Twitter at GLXY Research. Would love your feedback on that. All right, let's get right into the podcast. Let's go now to our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading. As always, Bimnet, great to see you. Thanks for having me. So um, I guess this. So we're recording this on a Tuesday this week. A little bit of travel plan. So uh, you're throwing me completely I know. off. Um, so it's going to be a little bit before the big number this week, which is CPI. So yep. Um, just for our listeners, we're unaware of the result of that number, but a lot of other stuff to talk about. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the block clock behind me. Right, we're sort of at the bottom of the recent channel or near the bottom of it. We're still, you know, up there in that area we've been i think if you look at the chart for bitcoin we've cycled from like 27 to 30 a bunch of times yeah but we're sort of down um what's happening in traditional markets that's been interesting uh since we last talked last week um so you know the main focus for the market has still remained um kind of the uh regional banking crisis um so in terms of people's perception of that um and you know the outlook going forward um, we got a new uh piece of data um this week it was the the loan officer survey uh, the april loan officer survey and it basically showed what we had been expecting which is a tightening of lending standards uh, basically a, a credit crutch crunch um uh, especially within you know certain sectors yeah um so it confirmed what what people had suspected which was the failure of major banks um, led to systemic issues but and it's going to lead to tighter credit conditions and those tighter credit conditions almost have like a t- they have a tightening effect overall so does that help the fed in their it, it, should they it, decide it, to pause hiking it the should base rates? A- a- absolutely yeah. it will certainly put a strain on small businesses um they'll put a strain on employment um, and I'll help them achieve their, you know, sort of inflation mandate. However, you know, I am a bit skeptical of, you know, kind of how of the market's interpretation right now. Basically, the market has, you know, multiple cuts priced into this year, um, particularly, you know, in to Q1 of, of next year. You've, you've got, you know, a, a lot of cuts priced in more than three. 
Um, and I kind of disagree with it, uh, particularly on the back of you know some of the, the really robust labor market data that we've gotten. Um, to give you an example, I mean, non-farm payrolls um, this on Friday came out at 235,000 jobs added, right? It's a huge ad, but let's ignore the fact that, you know, we added the, those jobs. The average hourly earnings came in at like half a percent month on month, right? That's a really strong reading. And, you know, the other employment data we've, we've gotten, um, we had unit labor costs that surprised higher. We had the employment cost index surprised higher. This was all last week. So basically every reading for the labor market that you've gotten um, says it's still really hot. And then on top of that, even when you get bad pieces of data, like the regional Fed surveys and, you know, the manufacturers get asked about, you know, how things are going, they're like, oh, the activity's bad, right? But labor market's still tight. I'm still having issues retaining employees, right? Like I am still have to pay them, you know, really high rates and they have pricing power. Right. And so we're in a world where the unemployment rate is 3.4% and people have pricing power in their jobs, not just, you know, they're tons of jobs out there and available, but it's like you have negotiating power. Right. And what is the stickiest part of inflation? What is the part that the Fed's most concerned about? It's the um, services inflation, the stuff, X shelter, um, you know, core services, mm-hmm. basically. And that stuff is super sticky. Um, but, you know, that's actually a good, pretty good segue onto, you know, what we're kind of expecting to see for, for this month's uh, yeah, let's figure. Talk about, yeah. And this month's figure is all about core CPI. Um, the median expectation is for like a 0.36 month on month. But there's a distribution of analysts, there's a heavy distribution towards like 0.4s and even some to, to 0.5s. Mm-hmm. There's been a rebound in um, owner's equivalent rent. Um, and from what we see from the high frequency data, like rental prices are starting to tick back up again. Uh, we've also seen used auto prices start to tick back up again. And so, um, like, there are there could be another pretty material inflation upside surprise happening this week. Oh, man. And that's not going to be good for risk assets. But at the same time, it's such a weird place because everybody's like, wait, okay, if the Fed's only response to really hot data is raising rates, what does that do? That, you know, further exacerbates the banking issues and that lowers your growth in the long run. So, you know, curves should be flatter. Um, but and you should also be, you know, pricing in more cuts in the back half of the year, et cetera. It's crazy. So it's a very interesting dynamic. And then you throw in, you know, the debt ceiling, which is obviously mm-hmm. a very topical issue right. um at the moment. Um but yeah, it, it's uh it's a it's a very challenging macro environment, uh, lots of uncertainty. Um, and that means you're gonna get lots of volatility. And I don't think crypto is gonna be any different. Um, I, you know, you've definitely had material volatility over the past couple of weeks. Some of it's headline driven, some of it's liquidation driven, et cetera. Um, but, you know, vol in crypto is, is realizing a we're, lot. We're going to get some vol, vol up time. Vol up, vol down. I think, I think you're, you're kind of in that environment. I don't think it's going to be straight line up, you know, as, as it has been, you know, this year. Um, and right now, you know, risk reward looks relatively decent um however you have an inflation number that could literally rock the world change the entire um at the same time like i think people continue to need to realize that like you have to price in the right tail for for assets as much as you have to price in the left tail or like there's a distribution of people stop thinking about the right tail as much we're on the cusp of the fed ending tightening 
all together, right? Uh, the S&P earlier this week was testing, you know, new highs and, and NASDAQ breaking out, right? And so if we're in an environment for sure where inflation's headed the right way and we're confident in it and we know that the central bank pressures are about to ease, that's a major boon for, for risk assets. And so, like, you know, I think that part of the distribution of Bitcoin is lost on, on, a, on a lot of people, um, as, especially in the scenario where you do actually have, you know, the debt ceiling stuff come to fruition um, in a more meaningful way. Like, and so, I, I, you know, I look at Bitcoin as an asset. You know, it's done really well this year. But at the same time, if you're telling me we're going to go back to a world where, you know, inflation's not an issue because... You know, we've collapsed the economy. Credit crunch is happening in, in the back half of this year. We're going to cut 100 basis points and change. Um, Europe's going to stop hiking, et cetera. China's got deflation that they're trying to deal with, et cetera. I'm like, well, that's actually a pretty good environment to own a super robust, um, you know, uh, Bitcoin or gold or, you know, hard money. Super yeah. robust. I think that's probably the yeah. What wow, I meant to it's say. A, it's definitely a lot of stuff, uh, you know, mixing together here. I think back a year ago, yeah. Um, I think about one year ago was really the beginning of the like true collapse of the crypto credit uh, uh, complex. I'll say right. You had I think you had Luna in May. You had you had three AC in June, and then and then of course the lenders that followed those events and and then ultimately FTX. And where what does it look like now to you, you know, as someone who trades in these markets, yeah. the, the infrastructure scene. I mean, obviously it's smaller. Yeah. But um it gosh, it's such a different it's such a different time. Obviously macro we knew was getting more was entering a tightening cycle then, but we didn't like you know, wasn't as uh we weren't nearly as far along in it, right? Yeah. Um no, absolutely. I, I think uh, there have been notable changes to the market structure over the past 12 months, um, particularly with respect to how credit is extended and what jurisdiction uh, credit is extended as well. Um, I think, you know, taking a step back, one of the reasons that crypto did so well over time was because of, you know, exchanges like FTX that gave you liquidity on you know, alts and other things, you know, and right. leverage. We've talked about and this. leverage, right? Yeah, the derivatives there. The, the derivatives. The number of names they covered. Absolutely. And yeah. so generally speaking, like when you increase the liquidity of an instrument, it attracts more and more capital, right? If I know that I can hedge an alt position that's illiquid, I'm more likely to buy it. Right. Because I know I can go just, you know, if I'm able to trade the perp. Um, I could, I would go trade the purpose. I would be less worried about having a, an right. illiquid alt, right? right. Um, I, if I wanted to speculate on alts, you know, long or to the short side, I want to do it in a very capital efficient way, right? Right. And so, generally, like liquidity breeds size, and it breeds, you know, more market participants, and you know, further adoption, etc. And so, I think derivatives. You know, have a very important place um, in our marketplace, and they have an important place in every other market. Right. And I, they help, you know, with tons of, uh, of of things. And so, I think the fact that Coinbase and Gemini are opening these offshore exchanges are going to be tremendously valuable to the space. Yeah, to the global uh, crypto to the global ecosystem. crypto space. It's going to make it more capital efficient. It's going to make it, you know, so that people feel more comfortable trading alts around because you know there's more than one platform to trade them, right? Like if all of your 
your perp risk is concentrated on one exchange, you're going to take less of perp risk. Right, but right, now right. if you can spread out your counterparty risk, it helps you, you know, do that. And so I think the, you know, additions of, of, of Coinbase's offshore Gemini's, you know, it's a pretty big deal yeah, for, for, for markets. Yeah, for the global crypto market, which is an extremely global market, by the way. An incredibly global market. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, and I see, you know, the, the tide turning from the U.S., you know, every day, and it, it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, I hate to see that. You hate to see it, but at the end of the day, uh, like, I keep thinking um, about, like, you know, like, I was having a conversation about with, with somebody today that, you know, hires folks in Argentina. And one of the interesting points is that I was highlighting during the conversation was, yeah, look at uh, Bitcoin and Argentina peso denomination. Yeah, new all-time high. <laughs> yeah. New all-time high. Very different environment there. Right. And so, you know, we think in the Western world in, in dollarized ways, but, you know, versus a lot of, like, EM currencies and, like, versus, you know, rates that you have to pay in terms of capital controls, et cetera, you know, Bitcoin's still incredibly attractive. And, like, I mean, there's just new good things. Every, like, Liechtenstein today, like, you can pay your taxes. And, and yep. you know, so I'm going to go to Vaduz and pay country. It's taxes. a very small country, but small, it is a country. But, like, you know, they're part of the, the European elite totally. financial system. Totally. They trade in Swiss francs. Like, you know. No, I, I agree. I think it, um, it, we've talked about this, too, the, the future of the American dollar and the current, like, sort of precarious geopolitical situation that exists yeah. and how Bitcoin is a really interesting, like gold, is really interesting asset particularly because it can actually can actually use it right i mean if you have gold like great like i hope you have it on your person or like you really yeah. trust like the 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 vault from somewhere that it is stored no but, but you but, can't pay with it globally you can't send it instantly i mean basically the essence of of money globally comes down to the idea that the u.s can print infinite amounts of money and people still want dollars and people still want to buy u.s debt the moment that loses its significance or like that statement is no longer true, like that's when you'll actually start to see, you know, de-dollarization. But for the time being, it's, it's, it's really tough. But like the philosophical argument I, it gets stronger by the day. The, start every, to see some... every bit that gets added to, to the deficit. I mean, just think about this banking crisis. They basically had to blanket guarantee all deposits you know, for this banking crisis not to happen. And now if you ask a government official, are all deposits guaranteed by the FDIC? They'll be like, no. Um, but in theory, it's like, will the U.S. ever allow a, a, a depositor to not be made whole in, in banks? A big crisis Prob of confidence. It'd be a huge crisis yeah. of confidence. And so now you're at the point where this is the thing that I'm trying to stress is you have a huge, like, moral hazard issue and it's also like, why would anybody put money in one of these large GSIPs anymore? Like, you're, if the government's coming and telling you that your deposits are safe at these regional banks, go wherever the rates are highest. Why? Why yeah. aren't people just navigating to? And it will happen over time. And personally, like, you know, I think these big banks, like, they're gonna have it coming to them. It's gonna be an interesting dynamic. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, six months from now, they're you know, deposits in general are gonna go down. The, the marketplace is gonna get much more competitive. I mean, that's good, right? Overall, it's, that's a, good. it's, it's strange to think that because it's they're denying that that's the policy. The officials are right, but it's normally the criticism of the banking regulators, the Fed, whomever in these situations is that their policies are result in the centralization of banking power yeah. into the too big to fails. Um, but your point is that as if there is either an explicit or de facto blanket deposit insurance exactly. provided to everyone, that could actually 
decentralize the banking system more, which could be bad for the big banks. Um, it's an interesting it'd be, anyway. It'd be very bad for yeah. the big banks. All right. Well, this is a great conversation. We're going to talk more um, next week. It might be remote. Didn't we have another 15 minutes? No, dude. <laughs> I could go. I could go. Bimnet uh, BB from Galaxy you. Trading, my friend, as always. Thank you so much. Let's go now to our guest, Steve Kerr's head of Galaxy Asset Management. Steve, it's been a long time in the making. Great to have you on Galaxy Brains. Finally. Yeah, I mean, I've been asking. <laughs> you had to go through all the brains. Apparently, you're busy doing, yeah, doing yeah, a running yeah, a real yeah. business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listen every week. I'm a fan. I appreciate I'm honored. that. Honored. Try not to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Before we get into it, we've got a bunch yeah. of interesting topics. Why don't you tell us, like, how long have you been at Galaxy? Because I, as far as I, certainly Ooh. before me. Crypto years, a lot of crypto years, uh, six real years. So 2017. Six? Yeah, I used to work with Mike at Fortress back in the day in, in my TradFi days. And uh, he took me down the Bitcoin rabbit hole in 2017. So you got orange-pilled by Mike Novogratz? I did get orange. That's pretty yeah. elite. Two, two things I'm thanking Mike for. One is getting me out of Lehman Brothers to Fortress in September of 2008. And the second was introducing <laughs> me to Bitcoin. So Damn. I'm very thankful to Mike. And, and uh, we, had, we had a plan. We kind of stuck to it. You yeah. know, Lots of ups and downs and some, some funny stories. Uh, Definitely Maybe been a wild time. ride since 2017. So yeah. you've seen, so you saw the 2017 bull market yes. at what be, would become Galaxy, I guess, at the yeah. time. Then you went through the what we called the crypto winter, which I mean, I went through it also. But I mean, and then you did the last bull run, yep, which was crazy. And now we're in whatever we're in now. What is it like? I mean, yeah, what, what I does mean, that well, feel like? Uh, how do you? What's interesting is the last bear market. So if you came from TradFi, the last bear market, you got a lot of you know. Pats on the head and like it's okay that you tried something different. <laughs> Come right? back to Papa. Come back, yeah, you need a to. lot of that. Yeah. Um, then during the bull run, you know, can I get a job? Can my kid get a job? <laughs> and now, actually, none of that. And I think that's because people kind of have this understanding that even though I don't get it yet, I know it's not going away. And so you're onto something, but you didn't, you know. Yeah, like it didn't. It, you still have to work. <laughs> you, got, you got a bear market <laughs> you know? now, but like it's not like yeah, you're right. Yeah. A- after seventeen. It felt like, oh, this was literally just a total speculative mania. Yes. They were literally saying tulip bubbles yes. still, tulip, uh, a tulip bubble. You, yeah. you don't hear tulips often anymore. No, but. and I th- look, I think it's – we're going to get to some of this. But if you th- if you think about what coming out of the last bear cycle, really it was Bitcoin and ETH. I don't mean for all the crypto natives know that it's more than that. But that's from an institutional perspective what came out of the ashes from the 99% that went away Bitcoin and ETH. This time, it's not just Bitcoin and ETH. And so when the institutions, even if they don't understand it, stables, DeFi, NFTs, Bitcoin, ETH, maybe they understand layer twos, right? Uh, secondaries. Like there's all these things that are just evidence that this is different than the last yeah, time. Yeah, it's, right? it's a much more robust market in general. Yeah. And, and not just even the coins, to your point. Yeah. Talking about secondaries, the companies that have been built, yeah. um, all, the, all the venture Truly. money that's been invested. And the institutional knowledge. Like that's – we spent so much – I can't I, – you know, it's so – obvious now you can get an auditor maybe not a bank but you can get an auditor you can get a custodian and back then we literally treated you know kpmg and deloitte like the biggest clients in the world because they needed to know what it was before they could work with you and so like there was a lot of foundational meetings that did nothing for you commercially but that were a prerequisite for not just us but for any institutional players to feel safe coming into the space and so we feel like we were you know a good part of that actually so so galaxy asset management one of the uh the three business Units now business yeah. lines at Galaxy. Um, yeah. What what is GAM? Well, what we want to be and what we think we're becoming is um, a safe space for institutions to play in crypto. And I think from the beginning we had this idea that there wasn't 
um, a true asset management platform. So think the Blackstone of, and I hate using those those analogies because we all obviously agree in a, a world where asset management is on chain. But what was interesting five years ago, six years ago, was when you do the two by two matrix, uh, on the one axis, it's uh, crypto underlying versus traditional underlying. And on the other axis, it's traditional structure versus crypto structure. Everyone in crypto was going to the, 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 the quadrant that said tokenized wrapper around crypto underlying. And we sort of looked at our target client base, which is institutional allocators and institutional wealth players and consultants and all these um, you know, large uh, money uh, centers. And we said they're never going to get to the bottom right of the two by two if you don't start at the quadrant that has traditional wrappers around crypto underlying. So, we, so we took this, we've taken this long journey where we're both educating these clients about what crypto is and isn't and which pieces are worth paying attention and which are investable. And then we've taken another hard journey, which is let's wrap crypto in private fund wrappers, ETFs, et cetera, meet them where they are, and then over time bring everyone to the promised land that we all believe so much in. So what types of, I guess, uh, products do you guys yeah. offer then? I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm hearing very clearly, uh, you know, like the Bitcoin fund, right? Yeah. A, a, a traditional wrapper on yeah. on a crypto asset. But what else is, have you guys built? Yeah, so we're $2.5 billion of AUM, and we have three different buckets. It's, it's passive, it's active, and it's venture. And I think each of those buckets has a unique um, – uh, sort of duration to it. It has a unique set of portfolio characteristics. And we think different institutions and different investors want different things from crypto. Some think of it as a diversifier for a hedge fund bucket. Some think of it as the venture bet that we all also think it is. And some think of it as the coins themselves. We think it's all of those things. We think crypto is more than an asset, more than an asset class, but both of those things are also true. And so what we want to do is give, um, in we have about a dozen strategies, um, choices. And you don't have to pick one fund that does everything for Galaxy. You could put our Bitcoin fund with our venture fund, or you could put, uh, you know, our fundamental long-only fund alongside an index, as an example. And I think over time, uh, hopefully, the wisdom—I think that's probably a little cocky to say now—but uh, what we think will happen over time is that's where the $250 million checks and the $500 million checks will be deployed, um, not just in one mega fund, but rather in a more sleeved way. And that's yeah, what we're yeah. building for. So I wanted to bring this up because I saw this news and um, I yeah. don't know that much about it in yeah. terms of like who this party is, but I'm told it's a very big deal. DWS, DWS. Uh, large asset manager yeah. in Europe. Uh, you are partnering with DWS on, on on what exactly? And what is DWS? We're excited about it. So DWS is one of a handful of uh, asset managers around the world that are over a trillion dollars of AUM. It's, it's, it's a high wow. hurdle. It's, a, it's an exclusive club. And uh, many of them have tinkered around with crypto. Uh, DWS has taken the step with us to actually go into crypto. So what we announced is an exclusive European partnership to build exchange-traded products. Uh, so again, oh, wow. traditional structures yep. with crypto underlying across Europe. And so uh, for years now, we've been meeting with their product teams, their lawyers, their risk teams, and really talking this through, exploring what is actually um, the goal of this partnership. And the announcement was a major step forward. We're now going to go build a lot of products and we think um, offer investors much better choices for how to get access to crypto in Europe. So uh, exchange traded products, Galaxy has what... Um can, uh, it worked, has an ETF in Canada with CI. Right? Yeah. What, what else do we have? This is not the, the product concept. Certainly, isn't new. You guys, yeah. you guys run ETFs already. Yeah, yeah I, I think we're uh, one of the larger crypto ETF managers in the world, and and I think we don't. We've never had the ego 
that we can be subject matter experts, traders, index creators, um, you know, educators and distributors and building product in all regulatory jurisdictions simultaneously. That's just not something that is yeah, <laughs> yeah. rational. Yeah. So we've taken this partnership approach and we think it's really mission driven, right? How you bring institutions in, you can partner with them. What we do in every one of the partnerships that I'll lay out is we provide what we're great at, which is what I just mentioned, trading, uh, service providers, um, product development, all of that, you know, subject matter expertise, education. And then we partner with regional partners that are very good at their local market, the brand, uh, the distribution, and who have a forward-thinking approach to, you know what, putting crypto on the lineup alongside everything else. So in Canada, we partnered with CI Group. They're called the BlackRock of Canada. Uh, and we have a, a number of ETFs with them. Um, that, that's pretty significant now in terms of AUM. Uh, in the fall, you may have seen we partnered with Itaú uh, in Brazil, which is the largest bank in Latin America. Um, in the US, we have a partnership with Invesco. Uh, so they're, they're a $2 trillion AUM uh, uh, mega asset manager, although we don't have any ETFs, unfortunately, in the US. To, I don't think that's either to sell yours, yet. Uh, yours or Invesco's fault. But, but we're working on it. Yeah. And then uh, and then Europe, you know, the reason we, we really wanted to focus on Europe with DWS was um, 25% of the ETP market in the world, which is an $11 trillion market, is in Europe and the UK. And five of the seven billion of crypto AUM, so about 70% ex-US uh, of AUM lives in Europe. Wow. And we've been looking at Europe for a long time. And we, we thought about building, we thought about buying, and ultimately this just felt like the right thing at the right time for crypto buyers in Europe. I mean, I think it's really impressive. I mean, honestly, the, the, the partnerships that you have struck are, they're, they're very notable. I mean, I think Invesco too, when I remember when, I mean, I was here, I yeah. think when you guys struck that partnership. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously we know why we don't have that, uh, that, that, that <laughs> the rubber hasn't met that road yet, but I, it'll like happen. I, I quipped, right? That wasn't because of Invesco or Galaxy. It'll happen. Um, I think, uh, I don't know how many the uh, ETFs the SEC has rejected, but it's, it's over 25, I believe, Bitcoin ETFs. Um, so we'll we can, see. We can control so, what we can control. I mean, so, some right. of that is all. I mean, look, the, it, we also have a partnership on the indexing side with Bloomberg. And and five years ago when we started, you know, just defining the asset class, the taxonomy of the asset class, the rules around the index, like really boring stuff to crypto yeah. natives, like, yeah, like yeah. truly not what they get excited about had never happened. Yeah. I think I think when you look at it now and you take the SEC out of it, one of the things that we say, like, look at Canada. Um, we had a terrible bear market last year. We managed Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, ETFs in Canada. On the Bitcoin fund side, we tracked, uh, I think it was minus 0.04% to Bitcoin. In a t and the product functioned perfectly well. Intraday liquidity, lower fees. The American consumer, unfortunately, was stuck in trust structures, which not only suffered the down the downside of Bitcoin, but there's also a 40% discount. There's 2% fees. And so what we're, what we're saying you know, in those rooms is, which, which would you prefer your consumers to have access to? This is not right. hypothetical. We're, we're running these ETFs with real capital markets partners, with real asset manager partners, with real service providers in a regulated framework. It's completely possible. We, we did it. It's battle tested. Let's do that for consumers in the U.S. Yeah, and I think like that's a, no a valid brainer. yeah, a valid thing to, to suggest. Let's talk yeah. about um, the bear market. You mentioned this yeah. too before. The, the, yeah. the, and uh, the current one versus the last one. I love the comment you made about your, your TradFi <laughs> friends sort of patting you on the head and then later asking you to help their kids get jobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. definitely experienced a little bit of that as well. Um, but I don't know. What else? I mean, we were, I was talking earlier with Bimnetta BB about some yeah. of the changes in market structure. Um, you know, you mentioned secondaries before. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I was doing venture investing through the last bear market in crypto. Nice. And in retrospect, you could probably have thrown a dart and, and yeah. made a lot of money, or at least on paper. 
um, yeah. in those investing there. But it, it feels different now. We've got a lot of later stage companies um, with that really need to show growth and adoption. Yeah, that bear market like hits them harder. Um, yeah, what, what's it look like now in your mind? Well, you know, if we're talking to an investor, I think that the bear market playbook that we would tell an investor is, is number one, you have to understand the regulatory landscape. And that's not just a U.S. point, right? And we could talk about that in a second. Yeah. I think you've, you've mentioned this many times on the podcast. You have to understand that globally because crypto is global. Number two is, you know, risk managed crypto in your portfolio is now obvious. And what I mean by that is no disrespect to many of the funds that we love and know in crypto, but throwing long only, uh, you know, risk in a in a sort of liquid structure and not trading around it and then hoping for institutions to come into that, that's never going to happen. You can't take a down 90% drawdown and expect um, a large public pension to put that return profile in a liquid structure. So that that's risk managed crypto means what crypto requires it 24 7 focus trading and 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 real benchmarking and 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 rules and and a risk team and systems and so all those things are important i think allocators that are going to put money going forward will will have learned that lesson and they will only go with those that know how to manage risk reduce volatility diversify trade in and out not be zealots all of these things um and then the third bucket in in the bear market today is you know this growth equity opportunity that you speak of couldn't have happened last time because the market wasn't developed. But thematically, there's, you know, two, three dozen companies that hit exactly, and we don't have to prove to them that crypto is what we think it is. It's for the it's for the blockchain, not crypto crowd. But yeah. that's okay, right? The, the, the reality is there are these companies that are either born of crypto, crypto adjacent, or have some Venn diagram to crypto that ties to digital rails, that ties to financial infrastructure, um, blockchain analysis tools, all the companies that, that uh, you know so well, um, those are great companies. But because of so much venture capital being raised by tourists, right, not by actual venture capitalists, many people in crypto didn't really think about their liquidity and the need to meet capital calls. You multiply that times 100 or 1,000, you take the macro environment on top of it, and what ends up happening is you have weak hands holding really good positions. And so we think our job uh, as Galaxy, but also as an asset manager, is to present that opportunity to investors and effectively say, look, you can buy the market of the top tier blue chip names in the space that have already demonstrated product yeah. market fit at a discount, not because the companies are bad, but because of the dynamics I, on the tech I, I love you. That's what I, when I first thought. Uh, was thinking about this idea of, of all the and, and you know you can thumb through like the yeah. the various ba <coughs> bankruptcies that we've seen and you can see right. all these piles of assets. There's yeah. many others, but those are public in bankruptcy proceedings. Yeah, lots of them. I mean, just lots yeah. of them. And I was like, you know, is this a bad company or is it like, oh no, wait, this bankrupt company I, is a I, four I, seller. I, by the way, they're I, a four <laughs> seller of this position. I would call FTX a tourist in the venture. <laughs> yeah, space. I don't. I, <laughs> like, I'm not sure where they got that money that they invested either. I, I, I'm not sure, but actually, not 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 funny to laugh about. But just it's, no. it's a good indication. I think of, we're of what at least we're on, talking about. I yeah. agree. I think on this podcast, unless yeah. this is your first time listening, I think we we proceeded well into the gallows humor stage of the FTX story. Well, so as, as a fellow as a fellow Hungarian, you could appreciate gallows humor, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. So, yeah. um, no, but I, it is so different because, like, you're right. Back in like 17, 18, 19. Yeah. The only growth stage companies in crypto were crypto exchanges yeah. or like Bitcoin mining machine manufacturers. And, and exchanges in air quotes, right? Right, exactly. Not, exactly. not, not, not like regulated no offense, but we were talking yeah, about no, the early, the early yeah, exchanges. Yeah, pioneers and, and, and not knocking them, but it, that's, you know, yeah. that's not what an institutional investor would look at as an exchange. Right, right. So, so, I yeah. mean, the, it's a much – I remember last year um, in a venture report that I did, 
And yeah. there were like 40, 40 companies that had raised over um, at a at a valuation over a billion. Um, yeah. Now again, some of that's I, I'm certain. Maybe almost all of those valuations have come down <laughs> if they've raised um, yeah. since then. But I mean, these were a lot. I mean, you, and it was stuff. Yes, it was exchanges and trading and and finance type companies. But then it was the companies that service those companies, the compliance right. firms, the settlement right. companies. But then it was like gaming companies and metaverse companies. And it's just and happening, and it doesn't have to have the crypto baggage. And it's you know that's what crypto has been so hard for institutions because the following the headlines and trying to make sense of it without having and, and to be honest we as a community have been a little bit arrogant about some of this stuff over the last few years and and what's going to happen is it's just going to become integrated and you're going to be investing in it without even really because it no one says like money's not going to be digital or the integration of ai and money isn't going to happen through some digitally native everyone sort of knows that and so if you can kind of get rid of the crypto baggage in their <laughs> minds and you know that's that's actually our job galaxy yeah. asset management's job is to tell an investor what you throw in the trash can, what's interesting to follow but not invest in, and then what's investable today. That's yep. our job. And yep. that's a really hard thing to do in crypto, but it's really valuable because no one's really doing it that way, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's essential. Um, all right, a couple other questions yeah. before we wrap this up. Okay, so one that I, I know I wanted to ask you about. You know, I'm just going to poke fun about this a little bit because I remember I was totally wrong about this. But, you, I, you know, Steve, you you are a fan of the Pudgy Penguins. I I am um, a fan. I always have. It's a by personal the way, I, thing, by the way. We're I, not endorsing or promoting there's, any there's random There's no NFTs, promotion of that, but but I, but I did. I, I just have to say, <laughs> I got a lot of flack at Galaxy for did, making, including from me, including from Alex, for making my avatar a penguin. And I I remember saying, dude, didn't the uh, the founder quit or something like that, or there's some kind of weird blow up with this project. But and it must have been moments as perfect. I bottom ticked this, I think, <laughs> because it's a perfect call, right? Like then, then a new group came in and bought it and revitalized it. Got the it, floor now, back up to now five. The pudgies Listen, are okay, they're the, back. The pudgies are back. But but the story, the story, it's a it's a great <laughs> lesson. Like everyone overthinks everything. My, I, have, I have a daughter, and she loves she loved the, the penguins. Yeah, she, we would literally sit on OpenSea and scroll through, and she'd be like, "Look at that penguin! Look yeah. at that penguin!" Yeah. She, different features. She loved the colors. So I got a pudgy penguin. That's what I like about it. You know, actually, that's what I like about this collection in general too, because especially given the fact that it, like, again, I don't recall. So NFT DGens listen yeah. and know the actual facts of this, yeah. but there was some something where the project might have like gone away completely, but it, then it didn't. So there's an interesting, yeah, um, it changed hands or something. But also, like, you know, again, you to your credit, you know, you you weren't like I'm gonna get rich off pudgy penguins. No, you were like, I dude, I like the a, penguin. Dude, I what am I wasn't supposed to say? And you're like, my you daughter know, likes the penguin. That's the great thing about crypto. To each his or her own, right? You, you still know. have the pudgy penguin as your internal like Slack avatar, which I, I respect. I, I may or may not have that. I'm, I'm not going to comment <laughs> um, on that. To be I, clear, I we have the pudgy penguin. We also talk a lot about <laughs> NFTs on this show, yeah. and so uh, I don't think users will be surprised <laughs> that other people here that like them, um, and I am one of them. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about like I want to ask you this too we're in this great studio now um that, that galaxy nice. has built yeah. for for galaxy brains and for other stuff that maybe galaxy will shoot um but and and we're in this great building in lower Manhattan but it didn't yeah. Galaxy was pretty famous for these Soho offices. <laughs> the Soho offices, first of all, they had they had the evil Knievel Novo uh, suit right he, outside he of his office. He has a full body, full body evil Knievel suit. Yeah, and so it's you, magnificent. Well, and, and the pro, so I mean, I can't. I don't even know which story to tell. There was the time where the elevator stopped working and our president got stuck on the way up. The water <laughs> pressure was terrible, so the bathrooms were the a little bit dodgy. Air conditioning didn't work very often. Or, yeah. or, or I, I, actually, I think the building was trying to like like skimp on us. They would turn they would turn the temperature up. 
It's I'm yeah, not sure. But... It, there, there's a debate about that. <laughs> yeah, but, there is. But uh, but we had the yellow the, the yellow couches. I, I I probably shouldn't tell this story, but we we literally the first year literally had the interns in the boiler room because there was nowhere else to right, go. And right. so like you had you had ten interns just in a in a I, small. We moved to this area. much larger office yeah. um, in the uh, end of 21. I think yeah. also a nice. Uh, it was it was uh, I'll say the. The, it was right near the top in crypto, but it was right at the bottom of commercial real estate prices. It so. was. Yeah, we got one side of the trade right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's maybe too early to tell. Let's well, it's a happens. much more yeah. professional office. Like, yes. So does that feel – I mean, what does that feel differently to you? Because the Soho office, by the way, was iconic. There are a lot of people in New York who recall you and Mike and others used to host a very uh, a crypto meetup there all the time. Like for you know people I in mean, the industry, I, listen, right? Listen, those, those so it was well known the, and beloved, but the, it was beloved. It was also it was also uh, tenuous. I, I remember uh, there was there was a guy. I walked into the bathroom at one of our crypto cantinas, and there was a guy who had. And I'm just you know I'm not as technical as many who listen to this podcast, but he had a laptop open with these two big wires, and he was typing furiously in the bathroom. I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Don't worry about it." He shuts the runs out. And you're like, uh, "What? <laughs> Did we just get hacked? What was that?" <laughs> uh, so there was it was it was all that crypto of that time period had to yeah, offer. Yeah. Yeah. Look. I mean, our our uh, one of the things we said what's different about this cycle, and yeah. I think you know everyone uh, who's going to be a part of this future has to have a lane, and our lane is an institutional lane, and and we can debate why that's important, and I know a lot of crypto natives probably don't understand that, or or they don't agree with it, or they think they understand it. I'd love to have that debate. Actually, um, our lane is the institutional space, and when we bring in. Uh, you know, pensions and consultants and endowments and foundations and partners. Um, this is one way to achieve our mission and to help bring them in and feel comfortable yeah. and open-minded and understand that, um, you know, there's really something for everyone in crypto. It's not just the yellow couches or the evil Knievel suits I and all you. that. I mean, that's that's fun. But we, we've, you know, we've, we've grown up a little bit as a company and we want to recruit talent and we want to be global and we're public and... You know, right. we, we do work with regulators constructively, notwithstanding all the the headlines, and and it's it's important to you know to sort of uh, give off that um, impression as well as actually yeah, behaving a, that way. It's great. I mean, I, I um I love this office we're in because yeah. it is much. It's it's not that the other one wasn't professional. I mean, if people in New York they know Soho is a neighborhood. I mean, this is a this is a professional office converted from like an artisanal it, lofts. It has bevy, <laughs> it has bevy machines. Yeah, yeah, we've got bevy. I'm Shout into out bevy. To bevy. Yeah, big fan. Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts company bevy. Yeah, um, we okay. couldn't we couldn't have bevy in the Soho office because the water pressure was too bad. <laughs> to be honest, so I'm just very happy that we have water pressure that works. That's so, great. Yeah. Um, well, no, that that was years ago. At this point, it's Correct. now been over almost two full years. That's I think amazing. since we moved wow. into this new office, um, a lot has changed. Um, okay. Yeah. One last question for you. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, I hear, I think someone was telling me, I've heard you talk about this for charity. You yeah. and many others, yes. you're going to do a, a, a different type of race. Hashtag, sounds, sounds pretty intense. Hashtag Crypto Murph is crypto what we're Murph. going for. Yeah, look, we had this idea, and, and I have to give credit to our president, Chris Ferraro. For years, he's been needling me for having not done the Memorial Day Murph. For those of you who don't know the Memorial Day Murph, uh, there were uh, a couple of Navy SEALs that were, uh, if you've seen the Lone Survivor movie, it's it's that story effectively. Stranded in Afghanistan, had a very difficult firefight. Uh, Lieutenant Michael Murphy led those SEALs. Uh, he unfortunately died in that mission, but he had a workout. And his favorite workout was four times. So you, you push go on the clock, you throw in a 20-pound weight pack, you run a mile, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, 100 push-ups, sorry, one mile run, and then you stop the clock. So, like, it escalates up and back down. And it, you, do it, it. you can do it any way you want, yeah. but you have to, you just have to do the whole workout at, with the 20-pound weight vest. And we thought it would be a nice uh, a nice um, 
way to raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. So uh, we're partnering with Figment. We're partnering with Coinbase. We've got a couple dozen people doing the workout. We've raised $35,000 for the Navy SEAL Foundation. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. There's a couple of uh, dark horse candidates for who's going to win that one uh, on Memorial Day. Nice. uh, Even if the U.S. doesn't love us from the regulators, we we love the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make progress with those regulators. We're going to We're working on it. Yeah, we will. Hey, Steve Kurz, head of Galaxy Asset Management, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on Galaxy Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. That's it for Galaxy Brains this week. Thanks to our guests, Steve Kurz and Bimnet Abibi. Uh, great conversation. Hey, also remember, check out galaxy.com slash research to see our new report. Watch this space. It is a comprehensive overview of some of the big trends in crypto that you should be following. Hey, and next week, I'm going to be in Miami, so it's going to be a little bit of a different episode. Uh, look forward to that, and we'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.